welcome to the Women with Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this. Hey, you guys, and welcome to another rerun episode of the Women With Fire podcast. This one is a good one, my friends. <laughs> this is with one of my favorite people, Cy Foster from A Bountiful Kitchen. Now, if you don't know Cy, well, you should, and I'm really glad you're listening because not only is Cy a wonderful cook, every everything I have tried on her blog, A Bountiful Kitchen, is delicious, but she is one of the best people, and I really hope that I get to, that I am raising my kids like she raises her kids. She has wonderful kids and she's just a really good mom. And I love her testimony and I love her insight. So I'm excited for you to listen to this episode uh, with Cy Foster from A Bountiful Kitchen. Hey you guys, it's Michelle from the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast and I'm very excited to have Cy Foster from A Bountiful Kitchen. She is fantastic. She's warming hearts and homes and ovens with her cooking tips, classes, and recipes. Cy lives in Salt Lake City, Utah with her husband Grant and dog Jack. Cy's full name is Sayuri. Born in Okinawa, Japan to a Japanese mother and American father, Cy has four children and two adorable grandchildren. She's been a blogger for eight years at aboundfulkitchen.com. She's also Mint Arrow, Corinne's mom, um, who we love. And Sai has catered top cooking classes and is a regular monthly contributor on KSL Studio 5. Cooking and eating good food along with traveling and spending time with family are passions. And Sai loves the gospel of Jesus Christ and currently serves in the Relief Society in her ward. Welcome, Sai. We're so excited that you're here with us. Hi, Michelle. It's nice to be here with you. So let's get into this. I want to know about A Bountiful Kitchen, what it is, why you started, and your whole purpose behind starting this blog and website and teaching. So I started blogging about eight years ago. It was after my second daughter moved out of the home or was about to move out. She graduated from high school, and I was kind of sad that both of my girls were going to be gone, and I love my boys, but I <laughs> It's different. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of worried about like a camp out 24-7 kind of atmosphere there. <laughs> so, anyway, so I have cooked for years and really loved to cook. So that was right about the time people started blogging, having personal blogs and cooking blogs. And that was relatively new back then. So Corinne told me about blogging and she said, well, why don't we set up a blog because people were always asking me for recipes. Like I'm always the food person, you know, in our ward or wherever school. So I was always the person in charge of doing parties and luncheons and conferences and things like that. And so people would ask me for recipes and she said, mom, this will be so great. You can just put your recipes on this website. And then when someone asks for a recipe, instead of having to remember to copy it off and everything, you can just tell them, oh, it's on my blog. 
So I thought, well, that's cool. And she had actually set up another blog for me. I had this little cooking group. It was called Recipe Club that we did for, I think, 14 years. I did with a group of women. And we would get together about once a quarter and we would have a theme. And so one person would host the dinner and then the others would bring side dishes and desserts and appetizers. And so like we would have holiday or harvest or we would choose a country or a cookbook or something. So we did that for 14 years. And towards the end of that, Corinne said, oh, instead of having everybody bring the recipes, why don't I set up this blog for you guys and you can all be administrators and you can all post your recipes on this blog and, you know, take pictures and do that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. But really only two or three of the people really understood what that meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard to wrap your mind around. (laughs) So some of us would post our recipes and some wouldn't. So that just never really got off the ground. And then about six months later is when Corinne said, well, let me set this up for you. And I thought, oh, this is this will be fun. And so I had just like this little Canon point and shoot camera. And I would take these horrible, horrible pictures. (laughs) You are still on my blog. I tried to remove most of them, replace them, but some are still on there. I would take these pictures and was so proud of myself, and they were so awful. But <laughs> you got to start anyway, somewhere. <laughs> I know. But I post recipes, and it just kind of you know grew by word of mouth, and it was really fun, and it made it made my life a lot easier as far as sharing recipes. I could just put them online. And so that's where it got started. It was August of 2008, I think, that I did my first post. At first, I just kind of put posts on that were recipes that I used a lot, that people requested, and then it kind of grew from there. So that's kind of how it got started. But I'm, I'm just all about teaching people that cooking at home is really, it really is a simple thing. I try to put recipes up that are really attainable for most home cooks, and also really try to encourage people to use ingredients that aren't, try not to use like soup, you know, canned soup and, you know, cake mixes. I have a few cake mix recipes on my blog, but for the most part, I I try to encourage people to cook from scratch and teach them and, you know, show them that if they just take a little bit of time, they're creating really wonderful memories with their family and loved ones in the kitchen. And that's kind of your purpose, right? Is all about creating memories. So kind of tell me about that, what your purpose is and how you came to that. I've always loved food. My mom would just laugh because I would ask, you know, what was for dinner, like in the morning. And I have one child that's that way too. He would ask me, <laughs> like even when he was five years old, what's for dinner, mom? And you know, that's that. I have one of those. <laughs> we haven't had breakfast yet. I don't But I was that way as a child and I was really kind of choosy about what I would eat. And I'm totally one of those people that could live on bread and sweets. I have to remind myself to eat fruit or to eat (laughs) vegetables. But I really loved food when I was young. I had really distinct likes and dislikes. So I've always loved food. But I got into catering when I was in my 20s. And I did a lot of catering out of our home. My kids helped. It was kind of a way to earn a little bit of money. And Corinne, um, and then my other daughter, Brooke, has a blog called Female Foodie. She's a, she does restaurant reviews and recipes as well and has a team of women that work with her. I think she's got 25 other contributors to her blog. So oh that's- my goodness, you're raising entrepreneurs all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So we all love cooking. And they spent a lot of time with me in the kitchen being my little assistant. And I think I would pay them like a whole dollar an hour or something. That's all you need when you're seven. I know. know. They loved it. So anyway, 
we got started that way. And I just have always really loved to share recipes with people and one way into developing recipes now and trying to come up with things that are recipes that I really feel like people will take and they will work when they make them in their kitchens. I've tried your recipes and they are so good. Tell me, where do you find your recipes? How do you come up with those? How do you find those? Where do you get your inspiration? They come from all different places, the recipe inspiration. So some online. I have a huge cookbook collection. I subscribe to, I don't know how many cooking magazines and lifestyle magazines. And, you know, I read blogs. and But a lot of the recipe inspiration comes from things that I really that my family likes, that I think other people will like. Depending on the time of year, I try to come up with things around the first of the year, things that are more healthy or appetizers. A lot of people are looking for things like for Super Bowl parties or college game day kind of things. Really, you can just take it so many different ways. So you've got Valentine's Day next and then Easter. And you could cook every day for the next I don't know, 50 years and you could never run out of (laughs) recipes or ideas or inspirations. So there's so many different places. Some of them, like I said, early on were like the tested recipes that I've made for years. I tried to put a lot of those on. And a lot of times I'll look at a recipe that belongs to someone else and I can see where, oh, I could change this. I can tell that this needs to be adjusted in this recipe, which I think is something that comes after you cook for a long time. You can kind of tell if a recipe needs a cup and a half of butter or if it will be fine with three quarters or if it really needs as much sugar or maybe if you added coconut to something, if that would add a chewiness or if you can sub out sour cream, if you could use Greek yogurt. So there are certain recipes where I'll look at someone else's recipe and I can tell I can make it better or make it more to my liking if I do something like adjust it. But then there are recipes where I just think about, um, okay, so I came up with a chili recipe last year. It was in the first of the year when I know people are kind of looking for things that are a little healthier. They've indulged over the holidays, right? They made the coconut lime bars and ate them all. And so I'll take a recipe and I'll think about, okay, what could I cook with that will be simple? A lot of the people that read my recipes are moms that are super busy. They're either working or they are working in the home and have children, a lot of children at home, you know. And I'll try to think of things that I think will be appealing to families where you won't feed it to a group and your kids will say, oh, I don't want to eat that, you know. (laughs) You spent all this time making something. But I try to find things that are appealing to a lot of age groups. And then also at that time of year, I was looking for something that was healthy. So I thought, okay, I'm going to use a ground turkey. It's relatively inexpensive. It's quick. I know that with ground turkey, it's hard to make ground turkey look good. So I know that you have to add a lot of spices to it to kind of dress it up because it's kind of an ugly color. And then I thought we need to add a lot of really bright vegetables and that will make it healthy too. So I did like uh, orange, yellow and red peppers in it. I did onions. I think I used a kidney bean or a small red bean and a vegetable or chicken broth. And it was really simple. I had people just go crazy over that recipe. And it was just something that came together in my mind in about 10 minutes. And that's how it works sometimes. And then other times I'll do recipes and I'll think it's going to be so great. And then I'll make it and it just isn't what I envisioned. So it will take me five or six tries before I get it right. Then I'll put it up and I'll think people are going to love it. And it's just like, wah, wah. 
that's I guess business life, right? Blogging life. You never know what's going to take off. Yeah. It's just so weird how that happens. Like that turkey chili was just what people went crazy. And the funny thing was, is when I made that one, I was thinking more adults. I was thinking more, especially moms and adults that are like, okay, I've got to be a little more conscious about what I'm eating here. And I had so many people write in and say, my kids love that. They asked for seconds. They ate it the next, you know, we we ate every bit up. I mean, yeah. So it was just so funny because kids loved it and had all these peppers and vegetables in it. So you just never know. I don't know. It's now, a good... now I know what I'm going to make tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great recipe and it comes together like in, I don't know, I want to say 15 minutes. It's super easy. But, Sounds like my kind of recipe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the recipes like the lime bars that you were talking about. So I have friends that are great cooks and this friend, Laurie Cutler, who I write about in that recipe, I've made several of her recipes over the year and put them on my blog. And like, seriously, the best chocolate cake I have ever made. Um, we were just talking about this last night. My kids were over and they were like, someone was asking me about my chocolate chip cookies. And how'd you come up with that recipe? And and so we were go- talking about that. And I said, I just kept making them, making them until I got it just right. And and then Brooke said, oh, Stephen, remember that year that mom made all those chocolate cakes? Because she... <laughs> She wanted to come up with the perfect chocolate cake, and she just kept making chocolate cake, chocolate cake, chocolate cake, <laughs> which is true. So sometimes I get on this kick, and I'm like, I am going to find the best chocolate cake. I'm going to make it. And I made I don't know how many, and I tried my friend Laurie's recipe. It's called Laurie and Amy's Amazing Chocolate Cake. And then I, I reposted it this year just as Amazing Chocolate Cake. And it is hands down the best chocolate cake recipe I have ever tried. So sometimes the recipes come from really trusted sources like Laurie and I give them credit in the recipe. And so those coconut bars were hers as well. And if you just search L-A-U-R-I-E over in the search bar on my blog, you will see several of her recipes and they are all fantastic. But you're doing all the work for us because that's right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) well, and I try really, like I said, I know that sometimes people will say, oh, and I get, I've gotten a few comments here and there where someone will say, well, this just didn't turn out for me, but I will know that it has to be that person because I'll get so many positive reviews and feedback on recipes. And, you know, there's sometimes that we just have challenges. Like I really am challenged when it comes to sewing. So if I got on any website and even if they said this is the easiest stocking you will ever make sewing for dummies I would still find a way to mess it up so (laughs) kind of have to take that into account when you get a little bit of a negative feedback on something but really most of the recipes that I've posted I've just had really good feedback when you were starting this was that a scary thing or was it a natural thing what kind of things prepared you to take the leap to do this Well, I think whenever you start anything new, it's a little scary because you think, okay, I'm going to put this blog out there and like, who is really going to look at this, you know? (laughs) Like I said, blogging was relatively new back then and I was 46 then and people my age were not looking at their computer all the time like people that are 20 years younger. 
I'm kind of thinking like in my friend group, like who's going to read this? Who's going to look at this? But okay, I'll go ahead and do it. and We'll see how this turns out. And for a long time, I had like 50 people that looked at my blog and I was like, oh, that's awesome. But I think it is a little bit of a leap of faith whenever you try something new. But I think all of the little things that we do prepare us for other things that, you know, come along later in life. And sometimes we don't understand why we're doing certain things. I've had a few experiences like that recently. I'm always the person that I just like to be in the back room. And I think that's probably why I liked catering and being in charge of food and stuff, because I'm usually just the person in the back making the food and then we set it out and then I go hide out in the kitchen. You know, I don't have to get dressed. I look like this, which good thing people can't see me today. But, you know, I, I kind of, I'm just like the ponytail, put on the apron, do my work kind of person. I've had like all these different things happen lately where I did a few TV shows about five years ago and I really, really disliked doing it. It was really hard for me because... First of all, I didn't really get that when you go on TV and do these cooking segments, you're not really cooking. So that was really frustrating <laughs> to me because you're, there's no time to cook. It's just explain what's in the dish and then show it like you've cooked it. You know, for me, I couldn't quite wrap my head around that. So that was kind of difficult for me to get from point A to point B and for that to all make sense in my head. And I stopped doing that for a while because I thought, oh, gosh, I don't like doing that. I don't like doing that. And so Brooke would tell me, my daughter would tell me, mom, this is really good for you. It's good for you. You need to stretch yourself, you know, and I was like, ah, so about a year and a half ago, I got back into it again. And it has been really good for me. And I've taken a regular spot at KSL. And I do a segment there once a month. And it's really been good for me, because I've learned a lot from doing it. I've had a lot of exposure. It's been good for me to kind of stretch and do these things. I've even recently been hired to do some video work and be a consultant on a big project. And I would have never been able to feel confident and step into this project and say that I could do it had I not been doing those segments, which I really didn't want to do. <laughs> if I'm totally honest about that, part of that is pride and just feeling a little insecure about not wanting to put myself out there because it's not like there's a do-over when you go and do that segment. Like you do it and then you go home and you see it the next day when they air it. And uh, sometimes I would watch those and think, oh, my word. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I do not want to see that. But I can see now that all of those little things have really helped me and have helped prepare me for other things that I really feel like Heavenly Father, in the end, he knows what's coming for us, what opportunities we'll have and things like that. And I think he tries to put all of these little things in our way so that we can make choices and take those opportunities and learn from them and prepare ourselves for other things that are coming. So what would you tell someone who is scared? Maybe they're at the jumping point or maybe they're at the point where they have their daughter pushing them to do something. Was there any spiritual assurances that what you were doing is the right thing? Well, I think for me, it's been kind of a long process. Because like I said, I started this eight years ago. And really, I did not make a penny doing this until I think it was three years ago, maybe four years ago. And that was when my husband said, I was able to get trademark um, on my name a Bountiful Kitchen. And he said, if you don't use this and have some type of income with this, if someone comes along and says, I want to use the name of Bountiful Kitchen, they can if you're not using it to make any money. 
So I was kind of forced into, okay. And about that same time, Martha Stewart Living approached me and said, hey, we would like you to be a Martha Circle blogger. And so I got on with them, which was really nice. I mean, I never even had a thought of making money when I started doing this. It was just a for fun thing. So I started doing that and I realized, oh, wow, I can make a little bit of money doing this. This is kind of fun. <laughs> but for me at that time, too, I still had kids at home, even though they were in high school. I didn't need to work financially. I didn't need to work. And for me at that time, I knew that my kids were supposed to be my focus, not trying to further this hobby that I was making a little bit of money at. So it really was a when I have time kind of a thing. And every time I thought about that or kind of would start to spend more time on blogging than on my family, I was directed and led in the way that showed me that that was not my time. So I just waited and, you know, kept doing what I was doing when I could do it. And then when my oldest son graduated in 2015 from high school and left on his mission, that was when I kind of jumped in and decided, okay, I'm going to try doing this full time. And even still, it's not full time. It's maybe half time, maybe three quarter, but <laughs> not really even a full time job yet for me. I just have other things that take up my time. And you know, there are times when callings take up your time. And for me, I've felt like there are certain times when I've had callings, it's taken a lot of my time. And so I haven't been able to put as much into my blog as I need to, to really make it number one priority. <laughs> I just really feel like it's one of those things that you have to really listen, you have to take the time to listen. And then when you receive inspiration, follow that inspiration. I think it's different for everyone. That is one of our biggest questions from like our listeners is, am I doing enough as a mom? Am I doing what I should? Should I have a business while I'm a mom? And I think you nailed it. The answer is you have to decide. I had a friend who was a young woman's president and she had this business she wanted to build and she kept just getting the impression, just wait. Just wait until you're not your woman's president because that is so emotional and time consuming, you know? And so like the minute she was done, she felt like she got the go ahead and she's found success because she waited, she listened. That's kind of what I'm hearing from you is I'm going to just keep checking in. That's what I always say. Just keep checking in. Am I doing too much? You know, am I not doing what I should with my kids? And then Heavenly Father will guide the small efforts that you can do while you have kids to expound on them, right? So that when you're in the right place, he can open doors for you. And Martha Stewart can say, hey, you want to be a part of my blogging circle? <laughs> so. right. Yeah, it's a time and a season. I mean, I remember when I had four kids at home, you know, and the list would go around about, oh, can you come and help in the classroom? Well, one of my kids was still young and was in preschool or maybe not in preschool yet. And I just never felt badly about saying no to those things because I thought, once my youngest is in school, I will do anything they need me to do. And I did for 12 years. Once my youngest one was in first grade all the time, I did every teacher luncheon at elementary, junior high, high school for 12 years. I did the luncheons. I did all kinds of things. And 
people would say things to me like, oh my gosh, you're doing so much hair. And I'd say, yeah, when I had little kids at home, though, I just said, you know what, my time will come and I will be down here when I can be down here. And for some people that never really happens because they're working full time and raising kids. And I think that's okay. You can find other ways to help. Everything doesn't have to fit into this neat little box of the only way you can serve or the only way you can run a business. Just really have to really, really seek the answer in prayer and, and really listen when you receive those promptings and answers. You'll know what to do. I love that. And I think you maybe said that for me today because because <laughs> I feel super guilty all the time. I'm like, oh, I wish I could be everyone's room mom right now, but I have two kids at home and how the heck am I going to do that? <laughs> so it's okay to say no. And I think that it's important to say, you know what, this isn't the time right now, but I mean, I'm, I'm your girl when I'm not hauling around a baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you should have to put your little kids through that or drop them off at a sitter so you can go and be the room mom or whatever. But yeah, I just waited. And then when it was my time, I was everybody's room mom. <laughs> the baseball mom, the room mom, you know, whatever. But I just think that's the way it should be. And I think we should cut other people some slack and not and not expect so much of each other and and just know that everybody's trying to do their best that's perfect that's good advice for me <laughs> so with people knowing who you are and having a bigger reach on instagram and other places have you felt like you've been able to spread the gospel or talk about the gospel yeah, definitely. You know, when I first started blogging, I never really said anything about the church and I think at first I never really even thought about it. And I think back then people were putting like little uh what do you call it a little like a badge so that I'm a Mormon. Badge. Yeah. yeah, they were called badge, yeah. That would say I'm a Mormon or whatever and I thought about that and I thought I also saw that some people were receiving backlash and at that time I prayed about it and I thought okay what should I do that should I put one of those little badges up and the answer I received was keep doing what you're doing and what I was doing at that time was I was just posting things and would talk about well the other night you know after we went to church we had this for dinner and then it kind of slowly evolved into, I mean, I remember when Mitt Romney ran for president, maybe it was the first time I mentioned something about being a Mormon and yeah, I'm voting for Mitt Romney and yeah, this is, you know, and I did this, some funny little posts about like cherry jello and, you know, and funeral <laughs> potatoes and things like that. And was like, yeah, this is what Mitt ate last night, you know, and, and so I would mention it in little ways like that. And then when my oldest son left on his mission, I think that was 2011, I did a whole post about him leaving on a mission. And I linked into the church's website and talked about the Book of Mormon and about missionaries and missionary work and what they do. And I received some emails from people saying, oh, you know, you're the only person I know that's a Mormon. And so I had really positive feedback and I had a back and forth with one woman who lived on the East Coast several times about the church and her interest in the church. And I mean, that was several years ago. I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to remember how that even ended, but it was a very positive exchange. And so I just think they're little seeds that you plant. And sometimes you may never even know what happens with that. You may never receive any feedback. But I just think all of these little seeds you plant and little bits of information that you put out there, I think that they all are just helping to light the way. Absolutely. Well, and 
your daughter, Corinne, her interview is one of my favorites where she just is so bold about it. And anyway, it's a beautiful thing you guys are doing. <laughs> I love it. What business tips or blogging tips would you give our listeners? Well, I will have people that will call me and say, hey, I want to start a blog. I want to make money. And it was just so different for me. It was a hobby for so long. And then it kind of turned into a business. I mean, really, it's only been in the last couple of years that I've even let that B word come out of my mouth, you know, like (laughs) business. It it feels so weird because it's just always been a fun hobby for so long. It just seems like, oh, well, that's official if you're calling it business. (laughs) For me, I have such a passion for cooking and for food and for eating good food and for teaching other people. Like I just am so passionate about pie making and people are so afraid of making pies or making rolls or a lot of the things that I do. And so it's really easy. It doesn't feel like work. I mean, like the hard part for me is sitting down and writing. I'm not that great of a writer, but it's fun to take the pictures. It's fun to make something and and create something that's beautiful and tastes good and and makes people happy. So for me, that's the easy part. But when someone comes to me and says, oh, I want to start a blog. I want to make money. I want to, you know, how do you do that? I want you to tell me how to do that. I'm like, oh, wow. Well, don't pick a cooking blog if you don't like to cook. If you don't like to shop or be into fashion, then don't be a fashion blogger just because you're going to think you're, you're going to make a lot of money. You know, you need to do something that you really love doing because eventually it will come out if you don't love doing it. It's very obvious. And I think that's what makes a lot of blogs successful is you read them and you realize, oh, this person really loves to create. This person really loves whatever it is they're blogging about or sharing. And I think it's really easy to, to see through that if it's just simply, I want to make money. It's just, it, it, there's a whole different feel when it's just a moneymaker. So I think, first of all, you want to really pick something that you're passionate about because you'll spend a lot of time doing it and don't plan on making any money doing it for a while. And then you'll be pleasantly surprised (laughs) when you do make money. I mean, I've been at a lot of blogger conferences. I've been to a lot of food blogger conferences. You kind of hear the same thing over and over. It kind of gets reprocessed and repackaged. But putting out quality content is the most important thing. Beautiful photographs, useful information. You have to figure out why does anyone need this coconut lime bar recipe? (laughs) Well, it's because if you're slump. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But if you're reading that, you know, you have to sell someone on that. Why do they need this? Well, in that particular recipe, one pan makes 60 pieces. It freezes well. It tastes good. It's got this fresh lime glaze on it, which really sets it apart from all the other cookie bar recipes you've tried. I mean, so you kind of have to create why they need this recipe. So there are a few different things you can do when you're in the blogging world that kind of can set you apart from everyone else. But I think the most important thing if you're just starting out is to pick something you really love and then just start producing quality content on a regular basis. And I mean, At a regular basis, I think that's at least a couple times a week. Once you get really established, like I have over 600 recipes on my blog. So if I put out one recipe a week, that's kind of enough. There's plenty of other content for people to search around and find. But if you've only got 10 recipes, you need to be posting a couple times a week so people have a reason to keep coming back, right? Yeah. And if anyone's listening, I'm very into the writing part of business. I love it. So that was a huge tip is that you're not just putting up a 
post about coconut bars, but you're telling your audience the reason they need it. I went on there and I was like, oh my goodness, it makes 60. Then I saw, I was like, a mission president's wife made this, right? And I was thinking this recipe has to be good, right? If she keeps making it for missionaries. (laughs) And it's a trusted source. And you're saying, this is why you need it. These are the benefits and it's tried and true. And then the pictures are beautiful and the instructions are easy. And so you got me. I mean, you really got me with coconut lime bars, but you made a change in 2015 that you said this is going to be a business. So what was that change? Well, before what I would do is, I mean, a lot of times I'd just say, oh, I'm cooking this for my family and then I'll snap a picture of it and I'll get around to writing a blog post, you know. But during that year, I really worked more on thinking ahead. October, November, December are the busiest months for food bloggers. Okay, I need to have pumpkin posts ready to go in the end of September that I can be putting up and promoting. And so I started thinking ahead a lot more and scheduling things out, which, you know, half the time they work and half the time they don't. Like, I think I'm going to make all these things and then it just doesn't happen. Or the pictures are taken and the food's made, but the post just doesn't get put together, um, which it can wait till the next year. But I think that I started thinking ahead more planning. There was a lot more planning that went on. There was a lot more methodical thinking through things like social media posts, things like that, where before it was just kind of, eh, I just throw up whatever, <laughs> you know. So, you know, I tried a few different things with social media, like posting three times a day, posting at certain hours, you know, different things like that, which really increased my following, especially like on Instagram. I was more methodical about like what times I posted, what I post. I mostly post desserts at about nine o'clock at night. <laughs> you know me. That's the problem. I know. <laughs> like Michelle will be looking at her phone. Michelle needs oh, a coconut lime bar. <laughs> you and everyone else. It's like people are sitting there and they're, you know, they've eaten dinner. They put their kids to bed. They're sitting on the sofa and then they see that brownie or that coconut lime bar and they're like, I gotta have it. (laughs) I make that tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, you get a better response if you do that. And, you know, of course, depending on what your business is, you know when your audience is going to be. I mean, you can try different things. You you can see when they're looking at their phones and depending on what kind of response you're getting. That's a genius business tip. Are you guys taking notes? (laughs) You have to know your audience that well. I mean, if you know that, then you can start being strategic about what you're posting, when you're posting it, and when you're blogging stuff. So this is the question I love to ask at the end of each of my interviews is, how have you seen the Lord's hand in your business? In so many ways. I mean, I've always felt like this was a calling for me and not really just a hobby or a business. And I don't really tell people that a lot, but I really have felt that way all along, that this is what I was supposed to do. And I really feel strongly about sharing talents. And it talks about that in my patriarchal blessing, which is a really sacred and something that's very close to my heart. But of course, people that are members of the Mormon church know what a patriarchal blessing is, but people that may not be members, it's a special blessing that's given to you personally, that's recorded, and you use it throughout your life and helps give you direction and inspiration and comes, we believe it comes directly from our Heavenly Father. And so it's not something that you broadcast publicly, but in that blessing, I was directed specifically to share talents. And when I was younger, I didn't really understand what that meant, but I really think that this is part of that blessing and expectation that 
Heavenly Father has for me, that he's given me certain talents and he wants me to share those. So I really feel like a lot of the things that have happened in my life through this opportunity that I've had with blogging, a lot of it has been about Heavenly Father directing and guiding me and saying, okay, this is what I want you to do next. And this is how I want you to share this talent. I've just had so many opportunities to share about things like making homemade goods, which I think really draws us together as families in so many different ways. And so I really feel like that's a blessing that I've had. That's not something that comes from me. That's something that was given to me. Well, I think the key there is just focusing on what you're supposed to do, you know, what talents you're given, and then having faith that Heavenly Father will expound upon those talents and make them bless other people's lives. You're blessing my life, right? We got, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just so thankful that you'd be, jump on board with us for this interview and share your heart and your recipes with us. We adore you. So thank you so much for hanging out with us and for being here with us. Oh, thanks for having me, Michelle. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.